You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello and welcome to the 31st episode of Just Riding Along in the year 2018. Tonight's show is brought to you by... AOL modem sounds. That's right. That's the noise I just inserted in this audio. The sound of an AOL modem booting up. And if you wait and listen to the... Connecting. Yeah, connecting. Sorry. Connecting you to the matrix. So if you listen to the entire episode, you'll hear uh, our pre-recording. We always do a test recording, and I'll add that into the end of this show. So um, Andrea right now, she's trying to make her neck 17 feet long so she can eat (laughs) Cinnamon Toast Crunch without crunching into her microphone. And uh, I've already eaten my bowl of cinnamon toast crunch, and I will probably eat another at some. I'll point I'll just give it a rest show. until one of you starts talking a bunch, and then I'll back off and eat it. Um, Kenny, do you have anything cool going on? Do you want to go first? I want Kenny to go first. Kenny, go. I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, nothing cool for me. Wait a second. Wait a second. I have a real question. <laughs> yeah. Someone on the Twitters asked this: Burger King or McDonald's nuggets? No, I think the question was Wendy's or. McDonald's nuggets. Oh, okay. But Those which are one? two very different things. I mean, one's nuggets and one's McNuggets. Burger Let's King nuggets are, are shite. Okay. Uh, Wendy's nuggets are pretty fucking good. They're, I would arguably they have better breading. Yeah. Like it's that kind of coarser stuff. Um, yeah, they're pretty damn good. I don't know. And they also have spicy nugs if you're bored. And you can get, you can get them to do 50-50 if you get a cool person at the window. But then, like, it's just kind of like, can you tell the difference looking at them? Is one like peppery looking, or is it just like a oh yeah, one coaster ride? One's like fully artificial red looking. <laughs> oh, cool. That's that's how you know one. it's spicy. Yeah, yeah. You can get the you can get the spicy and the regular. That's both. So would it be like McNuggets, and then like that whole Wendy's Nuggets, and then the King is last, or like? I don't know. McDonald's nuggets, there's something about them, though. But, like, when we use them as currency, which ones are we talking about? McDonald's ones? We're talking about McDonald's nuggets, yeah. I think that's what the person might have been asking. (laughs) No way. I think that's what the question was, is which one is the currency that we talk about? And that's McNuggets for sure. Oh, well, sure. But I think if you're talking about which one has the best flavor, it's Wendy's. That's a unanimous decision. (laughs) Unless you include Chick-fil-A. Oh, come on. That doesn't even count. Because you can like pull that apart. No, but like that chunks. That doesn't count, though, because you can't get them seven days a week. So oh, yeah. then you get your hopes up and then you look at your calendar and you get your hopes. You're up. like, I really want Chick-fil-A today. And then you drive there and it's Sunday. Without a doubt, exactly 50% of the time that I want to go to Chick-fil-A, it's Sunday. I think that there would be fewer atheists in this world if Chick-fil-A was open on Sunday. <laughs> like people swear off religion because they go there and they're like oh jesus it's yeah your fault. like I, i'm pretty sure that people swear off religion like they've been christians all of their life and then they want to go to chick-fil-a and they go there and it's sunday and it's closed and they sit there in the drive-thru for like 20 minutes and no one answers and they're just screaming at the microphone <laughs> dear god woman and then they're like there is no god and they drive off <laughs> Yep, that's how it happens. That's true. That's the 100% truth. 
She's kicked over her own tickle box. This is me dying laughing at my own jokes. <laughs> it is. It is definitely. Andrea's dying laughing at her own jokes. Uh, so, Kenny, is there anything going on with you? Because she, hopefully she'll die soon and she'll just, that's the only cure for this is death. <laughs> uh, one of my, so I'm running out of laziness. I'm running an XTR front brake and an SLX rear because that's what oh, the bike came with. And you never want to reroute it because you're a lazy hunk of shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was out on the mountain the other day and my I lost my rear brake. And I was like, well, that's, that's not good. Well, like define loss. Like you couldn't find it or it just didn't work. <laughs> it was still attached to the bike. Oh, it good. Was just, it was just not doing any of the brakey things that it's, that it's usually so good at. This is a Shimano SLX rear brake. Yeah. Uh, And I found that it was puking out quite a bit of fluid from the lever, like from the internal guts. And that's usually, in my experience, that's how how Shimano brakes go to die, is when they puke from like the, the innards of the lever. So anyway, that happened. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah. And let's see. Yeah, so I put my, uh, it, but a cool thing is all I did was unbolt my XTR rear lever from its hose and unbolted the SLX and I bolted it on. It probably took 20 seconds <laughs> and I had a fully functioning brake. Did you, you didn't even replace like the compression fitting off the brake line? No, nah, no, nah, I didn't even touch anything. Didn't touch oh, wow. any fluid, didn't touch anything. Works perfect. So I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> but now I have an even weirder setup where I have an XTR lever with an SLX caliper because I don't have my little syringy thing and I don't want to like make my bike unrideable. Uh, and I'm also being weird because I've got a rotor that's like mostly worn out. <laughs> it's, a, it's at like 1.5 mil. And I've got brake pads that are like, you know, about halfway or so. So when I go through those pads... I will replace, and I've got one ready to go on. I'll replace the rotor and the pads, and I'll put on my new caliper and do a full flush. So that's the plan. <laughs> Other than that, my bike's working well. But you're not going to change the hose, right? No, the hose is already, it's just a Shimano high-pressure hose. It's the exact same thing as the XTR one. There's nothing different about it. It's already run through the frame. So I'm just essentially swapping my lever and my caliper, and I've got my XTR brake back on my bike word yep anything else new i don't think so i rode a decent amount last weekend that was kind of unlike me did i think i did two three or four thousand foot days back to back which i haven't done in a while that kind of hurt um still like the stump jumper it's a good bike gonna be doing saint george next weekend got a long weekend it's been kind of rainy here. Didn't really get to ride today like I wanted to. It's kind of cold and sketchy looking, so I just didn't bother. If I was more motivated, I definitely would have gone and ridden, and I probably should have. I kept looking at the radar like every hour while I was doing house stuff, and it showed like green everywhere, like as in a little bit of rain. And I looked outside, and it was like just nasty, foggy looking, but not actually raining. And I'm like, eh, it's probably going to rain. I probably really don't want to go. And it never really rained the whole day. Yeah, that, <laughs> so. that happens in the mountains. Yeah. So I think the radar does not work properly out here. The radar in Memphis was like dead freaking on. You could look at that and you knew exactly where it was and was not raining. 
here you have it'll show by the way drove all the way to saint george maybe two or three weeks ago and it was raining pretty bad here in salt lake city and it showed that and it showed completely clear all the way down to saint george like not even a hint of rain and it was like full torrential rain for four hours <laughs> <laughs> like 200 miles south and it was raining the whole time and i kept looking at the radar and it was nothing and then i looked here and it shows green over everything light rain no rain so who knows it's, it's, it's some fucked up shit it's mountains bro mountains do weird shit yep uh anything else new or cool with me i don't have any cool gear to report on i'm kind of bummed out uh what else is going on Ooh, i got uh i got some muck off tire sealant and it is pink and it comes in a capri sun bag <laughs> that's actually pretty cool yeah it's like so a i'll bag, try that a serving or a wheel yeah i mean it's a it's a weird amount it's like four and a half ounces i mean i guess you could put that in a 29er but that's like a lot for my taste. Oh boy. If only you knew how much sealant we tell people they have to have in their tires. That's how much <laughs> yeah. sealant Scott tells people. We have like the mechanic that's been at the shop the longest insists that six ounces of sealant is the only amount of sealant. Jesus. That's like, <laughs> that's going to like come out the, you're not going to be able to get the bottom of the tire on. No, it's not. So it's not that it, it's not a problem with that. That's a quarter of the wheel. It's what the problem is, is that the sealant separates before it's dried out. And he insists that it dries out quickly because of where we live. And it does dry out faster than if you lived in Memphis, but it also, if it's been in there long enough, it just separates and like the chunky stuff adheres to the tire and then the liquid's still in the, in there. And yeah, you know, what so I found is no matter what, I'd rather put in a smaller amount and have it not get fucking nasty or ball up or do weird yeah. shit. So I just, just check it every two or three months and like, you're fine. Yeah. We're, we can't keep yeah. going down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Like it's, just, it's, <laughs> no, that's cool. it's one of those things that it's like, it's not even something we're going to argue with, with him because he's very, you know, yeah, we do we do a pretty consistent like four ounces on like a new setup for a twenty nine er, and then like three to top off. That's kind of our go to. Yeah. Seems to work pretty well. Um, yeah. I, any other new cool shit? I'll reasonable. try. I'll give you guys a report on the muck off. Uh, but I, I'm not quite due for a tire just yet. So when I put my new tire on, I just rather start fresh with it, and I'll just pour the whole Capri Sun bag in there and let you know how it goes. Cool. I'll probably think of something here in a minute and I'll interrupt one of you guys, but you get, you can go. Um, I don't really have much to say cause I haven't really done much. I did get out for a road ride this week. Uh, I rode my Trek Crockett road bike or gravel bike, cross bike thing. It's cross bike. It has gravel size tires on it. Um, um, and ran into one of my coworkers while out on the ride. So that was really fun. Got to ride with our former mayor, now coworker, Chuck. He's a really great guy. Just interesting to talk to. He's got a lot of cool stories and a lot of cool stuff. So that was really fun. Um, other than that, I'm still riding that Instinct BC90. I put one of those uh, MRP micro XCG chain guides on it or chain chain ring bash prevention systems. I don't really know what you call it. Like... <laughs> It's, well, it's not just your chain ring. It also kind of keeps your bottom bracket off the ground, too. Oh, uh, yeah. So like if you hit something a little off center that would catch your bottom bracket, and not your chain ring, like it'll 
it'll be in the middle there a little bit. Yeah, I've definitely like predict that I'm going to slam some stuff on that bike. So, um, it happens. I got that sorted out and installed today. And, uh, yeah, I haven't really ridden that bike much. Um, so it's just been kind of cold. It's like, I, I would say last week was like the cold here where you have to like, you find like you, you sit in the floor, like holding your knees, like kind of rocking back and forth. And you're like, the sun is gone. The sun is gone. The sun is gone. Fuck. I guess, I, I guess it's actually cold now. So I have to deal with this. And like tomorrow I'm just going to go ride in the cold. Like it was 33 degrees when I was on the cross bike the other day. And I was just like, this sucks. There's ice on gravel roads. There is like mag chloride, like like in the shade, it was icy, and where it wasn't shady, there was like mud spitting at me, and there's mag chloride. So, oh, welcome to winter. I'm gonna order. Uh, while we're talking about shop stuff, we don't wash bikes at my shop. You like wipe them off. So I'm ordering. I a, wash bikes at the shop. I'm ordering a pressure washer, like an electric pressure washer, this week. So, pretty excited about that. <laughs> uh, sorry, sir. All your bearings are ruined. Uh, we don't really know why, but we definitely recommend replacing Dude, those. <laughs> I will say this in 2016, my Trek top fuel, I probably pressure washed that bike 12, 16 times. My Crockett has probably been pressure washed at least a half dozen, if not more times. My, my shit bike has been pressure washed at least a half dozen times, if not more. Like we had an indoor pressure washer at Wheat Ridge and it was like, okay, frame go nuts tires go nuts hubs nah you know like it's not that hard it's as easy to not destroy your bike with a pressure washer as it is to destroy it so like i'm not really concerned i'm gonna wash my bike i'm gonna wash my car i don't have a car i have a sweet mini truck so get you some um but yeah i'm just gonna pressure wash stuff because i don't care like i'm not gonna use like a wet rag and like hope that I can get the dirt off something in a timely manner. So there you go. That's, that's really all that I have going on. Um, also I'm going to order tools this week, like personal, like I'm putting together a nice toolbox for myself finally for not at the shop use. So I'll have like a derailleur alignment gauge and pretty much all the like popular stuff. So I can do kind of all my own bike service away from the shop or ask me to do it. Why you got to be like that? <laughs> Who got your RS1 to work today? I did. Who Who's help, helped you? I mean, you helped me. All right, then. You ain't My fork feels so good. You ain't got to be so rude about it, girl. <laughs> so that's really all that I have going on. Kind of like an off week of not really riding much. Um, so that's really all that I have. Uh, I do have something I really want to talk about today, but I'll let Andrea go first. Okay. It's like a product, and I want to talk oh, about okay. this product. I is want that linkage fork. It is. It's the trust performance linkage All right, fork. We'll talk about it after I'm done. Um, I have uh, basically I I downloaded a training program from Linda Wallenfels. I don't know if I'm screwing her name up or not, but um, that's how I'm saying it. I'm doing one of her pre-done training programs, like one of her pre-made training programs that she recommended um, for the winter. And sometime close to the end of February, beginning of March, I'm going to start um, personal, a personalized training program with her. Um, so I'm real excited about it. I've already looked at it. I'm not supposed to start until like beginning of December. So I'm just kind of like 
doing some rides now just to get back into it because I haven't been riding a lot um, with elk hunting and all. Um, I'm super happy with uh, my elk stuff that I've cooked. It's been delicious. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Been eating delicious elk and getting ready to do some training this winter. I bought a bunch of well, not a bunch. Um, so all of my winter gear is like outdated and I've been slowly losing tights because they either get worn out or, um, I've got, I've, I've gotten a little bit smaller since I guess I was really serious about riding in the winter time. And so I have like literally one pair of winter tights that I can ride in right now. So I ordered a pair of the really nice Gore tights and one of their shake dry jackets, which is also super nice and a really nice uh, long sleeve jersey. So I now have two pairs of tights that I can ride in. I haven't gotten them yet. Hopefully they fit right and all. But yeah, I'm excited about that. Getting some new winter stuff. Um, I got to start writing this shit down. There's always like, oh, I got to talk about this on the next episode. And then I just never do. Even though I keep saying that every time. But, all right, you can go ahead and talk about your... Did we have any donations? Uh, I want to do those as a lead into questions because one of them has a questions. Okay. You Man. Can go ahead and go. We can talk about new shit we probably hate. Dan Gleesack. I want to preface this with you're a hold on to your fucking pants because you're about to be tickled. So trust performance technology. Thoughts, Kenny. Do you have any thoughts about trust performance? Are they going to send us one to demo? Of course not. Uh, I mean, I'm well, I'm sure we could ask, but anyway, my I all I've seen is like you know a video. Yeah, I mean, well, it could going. be cool. The big thing, the big thing that I see that it could bring to the table is that it's got different geometry is really what it boils down to. The way in which it goes through the travel is different than a, just a regular telescoping fork. So that's, that's what you gain is my understanding. That's the only positive to it. Through shaft damper. The, the downside to it is it's expensive and it's a complicated little son and of a it's bitch. it's heavier too than so, other forks of the same travel. I don't even know what they weigh. Yeah, it probably is. So hopefully it's good. I mean, I want to be open-minded about it. I think it's really cool that somebody's, again, I try to be, obviously a lot of work has gone into that and the people involved in it are not stupid. But at the same time, marketing is, you know, <laughs> marketing is strong. And you can make a lot of people believe they need something. So I'm going to be positive about it and hopefully it's awesome. But yeah, yeah, until I ride it, I'm just me armchairing it over here is not really going to do any good. So until I ride it, I will reserve judgment, but I can see lots of little being, being slightly pessimistic. I mean, I'd like to get my hands on one. I'm not going to go out and like, you know, you're go not going to plunk down a full <laughs> but, used Honda Civics amount of American currency for one. <laughs> is it two grand? 2700 Holy shit. Hey, I thought it was two grand. It's nearly a dollar a gram, though, because it is 1,980 <laughs> grams. So you Ooh, get what you pay man. for. Oh, that's Jesus. what I forgot to talk about, that I, I serviced my RS1, and it feels so good. I love doing like a full service on a fork and then like riding it, and it's just 
It's the best thing ever. It's all I haven't. It's like as good as new tires, like brand new tires. Except it's not new. You just like put new parts and new oil and stuff inside of a fork and it feels like it's brand new. I mean, it's way faster to put new tires on though. Yeah, it is. Everybody should just just service your suspension. And you don't even need to do super in-depth stuff necessarily unless there's a problem. Oh, I went all the way. It's just the outer stuff, like the most basic service you can do that just run makes it run clean and run smooth. That's all it is. Just do your damn wipers front and rear. Like just do it. Learn how to do it if you think it's too expensive. Um, but pr- I promise you, just do it. It's going to make your fork a last a shitload longer, and b everything just runs so much better. So, just do it. With that said, my Fox Thirty Four, I'm probably almost in a thousand miles after I've built it. It still feels really good. I like. I'm shocked every time I get on that thing. Just that's such a well done fork. It just is. It's insane. Yeah, I always kind of feel like if you just do the seals and your fork doesn't feel really any different. That's when you start taking other shit apart or if there's a problem. But with the RS one, you have to take the legs out and you're already like real close to having it all the way apart. So it's so easy to just take it all the way apart and just, you know, put new oil in. And it was, it was bad inside. Like I, I have a bad habit of riding a fork until it's ready for a 200 hour service instead of like, the 50 or 100 hour service. So I just do the whole thing because I can and I like doing it. So can we go back to talking about this fork? Oh, yeah. A uh, couple things about this thing that are that make my eye twitch just out of the box is it says it fits 29 or 27.5 plus bikes with 110 to 150 millimeters of travel or 27.5 with 130 to 150. Like, yeah, what's the range about? And it's 130 millimeters of contour travel. And then when they give the axle to crown length, the axle to crown length pretty much blows a 120 bike, 120, 29 way out of the water. So, um, wait, 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 wait. Is the actual crown longer or shorter than 535? Normal? What's, what's a normal 525 uh, for a two for a 120? So, uh, 120 is 495. No. Yeah. Is it? Uh, Are you sure about that? Fox fact. Nah, you, you crazy dog. I think it's, I thought it was 525 for a 29 or a 120. Hold, please. <laughs> I'm going to clickety-clack over here a little bit, too. I'm trying to clickety-clack. I'm, I'm just, just looking at memes and eyeing my cereal, waiting for uh, waiting for someone to start talking a lot so I can mm, sit back and eat my cereal. It's not giving enough. Not getting the message I need here. Uh, oh, here, yeah. There's cool, like, tech. Uh, there's, like, engineering drawings now. So Fox is doing a much better job of, like, organizing their shit. So mad props to them there. It's pretty freaking cool. So I'm going to, like, pull up this awesome engineering drawing. By the way, I had to look, go figure out some dimensions for a Fox transfer post the other day and just hopped on their website and found, like, exactly what I was looking for. And that's pretty awesome. All right. Oh, here you go. Here is the axle of the crown. It's freaking awesome. So 15 by 110, 29 inch. 
Ooh, wait, what's this thing? What is that fork? What, how is that different than this other fork? I have no idea. Let's look at this one. Okay, here you go. So Axel Crown 527 for a 120. Oh, you know what? This 495 is probably pretty close to sagged. Yeah, I'm, I, I just always look at um, like fully, well, not sagged. Sorry, I, I was looking at a bike. Like I quickly went and looked up the bike that I'm going to get soon because I knew that it said axle to crown length in the thing. But I'm assuming they're giving, they're saying that they sagged it to 495 and then gave you like measurements. Gotcha. 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 But yes, 525 is your average. Okay. So that's 29 or 120. And it's what, 535? So it's just a hair longer? Yeah. But I mean, that means your axle to crown is going to come up way like your starting position on a 150 bike. Suddenly you're dropping the front end 20 millimeters. I don't know. That bothers me. And this is something that like, it's all like personal, but you go to their website and there's all these videos of people just getting like super Cindy shreddy and all this stuff. But there's certain things that are happening in these videos that I definitely like see. And like one of them is there's a person and like, there's a couple of bump shots where the person is obviously like making sure that the front tire stays planted and then make sure that the rear tire isn't planted. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, these people know what they're doing and they got some super skilled riders to do their shots, right? Like, well, I um, know, but yeah, can I rant for like one more second? Cause it makes Dan Gleesick real happy. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is, is there's all these like cool and sexy things. There's never like, I have yet to see just a video or like a gif or anything of someone like, you know, the bike's, facing north and there's like a camera shot facing east west and like the fork is just being pushed so you see how it moves like okay here's a guy doing like a bar turn off of a root jump but that doesn't tell me how the fork moves when you land you know like i want to see the axle path in like let's call it static like parking lot squish mode and i haven't seen that yet and it's just really weird so that's that's secret man and if you post one of those videos, if you get one of the fork, they're going to take it down. <laughs> we trust you won't publish one of those videos. Yeah, you have to sign a thing. Yeah, so I'm just going to say, like, my last little rant about it is I haven't touched one. If they want to send me one to ride, sure. I'll <laughs> ride it. Andrew, you can ride it. We'll pass it all around. Like, Yeah, right. What? No, like, they're not going to send you one because we just talked about how we're real skeptical and unless we're willing to like suck on its stanchions then they're not going to send us there's not really stanchions though you know what i mean there's like little like there's like 18 that's the thing that's why i I like about it i want to pivots i want to keep it this way (laughs) where companies are sketched out to send us stuff i think that's a good thing and i want to i want to keep it that way no it's really good um but what I was going to say, I want to be like when somebody sends us a message like, hey, we want to send you these things. And I want to be like, are you sure? <laughs> it's probably not a good idea. Have you listened to our show before? <laughs> we are real people. Uh, we are not a magazine. Can I tell you about the magazine? So to move forward, to tell people how we're equal opportunity haters, I saw uh, an article today or not today, this week in an online 
um, advertorial, you could say, um, because it's not. It, it, they literally said that their carbon cranks took some of the vibration out of their pedals in their review. Hmm. On a like 160 travel trail bike, they said they noticed that it took some of the buzz out of the pedals. So <laughs> if you want to take some buzz out of your pedals, go run some Cook Brothers cranks. And if you don't know what those are, go look them up. Those were super sketch. Yeah, they were. They were fucking awesome. They were like little pencils. <laughs> they look freaking awesome, but I cannot imagine <laughs> how flexy they are. Um, and then I, I made a new proclamation this week. Also another one. Um, if you're running a 34, you, and not a step cast 34, that's the pass. But if you're running a standard 34 on a bike, it needs four piston brakes. And there were some companies last year that were specking their biggest trail bikes with single piston Shimano brakes because apparently SRAM brakes are all awful and you'll die. And there's no other option on the market that makes four piston brakes. So like there was literally like single crown downhill bikes running non-series Shimano single or dual piston brakes. And like, that's just not enough brake power. And that's part of what makes that instinct BC 90 so good is it has codes. And I literally just squeeze the brakes a little bit and like the whole earth stops. So if you have a bike, with bigger than a 32 or 34 step cast fork, you need real four piston brakes. And if you don't need four piston brakes, you probably don't need a real 34 or larger fork. Nah, I mean, I think there might be a little gray area there, but I think for the most part, you're correct. And companies should account for that because hopefully no one's buying like a 170 front travel bike outside of like the mountains. Like if you live someplace where it's super flat, you know, like you probably won't have the best time on that bike. Um, but that bike should never really come with two piston brakes like that. Just no, it just doesn't need to happen. Like you just, just, you know, woman up a little bit and put some guides on it or codes. Guides, codes, Maguras, Hayes, hope or hopes, uh, you know, anything. You got those new XT and XTRs. Well, that was the problem. Those brakes didn't exist when those bikes were being shipped. Gotcha. So I haven't ridden the new quad piston XTRs yet, but I've definitely ridden a few customer bikes with the XTs. The XTs seem pretty decent. dude. I wasn't completely like blown away by them or anything. Maybe I just need to ride them harder, but I'm also the guy who, as long as your brakes are dialed and you got good pads and shit, I'm still running my 170 front rotor on my XTRs. I got those heatsink pads though. But here's the other thing. Here's the other thing though. No, no. 170 front, 180 rear. (laughs) Um, My, I built a bike with XT4 pistons this week. And when I squeeze the lever, that clamp band is not wide enough. Oh yeah. It flexes. No, they're ridiculous. It pisses me off. Like you can literally watch the end of the brake what would that be? The brake master cylinder where it meets the hose. Yeah. You can, yeah, you can watch the little end there move in relation to the bar by like five mil. It's ridiculous. Like it's terrible. I, that was my bitch about it. Like four years ago, five years ago, listen to the show. I was like, Hey, 
what the fuck are you doing with these skinny clamps, Shimano? Like you're going backwards. I just have a lot of hate for that generation of Shimano in general. Uh, their brakes are the same, if not worse, in every aspect. The 11 speed mountain shit is a bag of garbage. I've ridden 12 like, speed. All their stuff the is terrible. Oh, fuck. I've ridden. No. When did, did you ride Don't it say the, that. at the Yeti thing? No, I rode it in our shop. When? Oh, it was on a certain person's bike when they came by. Well, that's a huge bummer. An and it feels similar to 11 bike? speed. What now? What it's, can you? It feels similar to 11 speed. It was just as bad. So let me tell you what happened. I went out and rode it. And by the time I shifted from the 10 to the 51, it was like I spec, you know, so the brake lever and the shifter were attached. Mm-hmm. Um, after I shifted up to the 51, I had to grab the whole setup and rotate it down on the bar. Uh, also, like it was, this is it was. This is my ask of you, manufacturers: stop fucking trying to put my shifter and my on my brake. Just stop it. Stop right now. I don't want it. Get it out of here. Give me two discrete clamps. I want to move my shit around. I mean, at least SRAM gives you like a. You have like the swivel up and down. The back and forth thing kind of sucks because it's two. It's positions. pretty limited. It's, it's yeah, it's only two positions, but at least it's you got like the up and down on that. But SRAM has Dis- it, discrete clamps for life. But SRAM has it good. You could you you get you what you want with SRAM, right? Clamp. Well, you can with Shimano too. I just wish they would just well, no. just sell them discrete. They should charge a thousand dollars for their matchmaker setup no but so only idiots buy it with (laughs) shimano stuff well i guess now it doesn't but used to you could get screwed on shimano no you can't you can't take the oh and also by the way thank you shimano just ran into this for the 12th time you have a special fucking shifter for your i spec stop it that's what i was stop it stop it yeah fucking stop it and not only that but every single top plate is not compatible with all the shifters so there's an slx there's an xt and there's an xtr fuck your shit right but with sram you can bolt them together or not you you just need like a little clamp like yes with sram if you choose it's quite easy and yes you can get a discrete clamp and everything is good in the world with shimano it's still not and so not only is their system even more restrictive on where it puts the shifter in relation to the brake you have to go buy an extra piece of hardware that's usually sold out and it's a whole top cap assembly thing. You got to take a million little screws apart to change over everything about it. Like what, what were you thinking? I just want to sit down with that guy and just be like, well, why, what were you thinking? It's, this is ridiculous. Same thing. I want to have every single bike that comes in the shop. That's brand new that I build up that has SRAM brakes on it that don't work. And I'm not talking about recall. Don't work. I'm talking about $8,000 bike with level ultimates and they have one millimeter of pull. What the fuck? Like overfilled from the factory type stuff? No, not that. You can take all the fluid out of them and it does the same thing. You can, <laughs> you can put the, you can reset the pistons 47 times and they do the same thing. It's just, ah, I, I just want to say, here's a bike that I see. Please tell me this is, not right. Oh, no, we've never seen that before. Anyway, getting a little ranty over here. 
go for it, dude. This is our party. No, that's good. I'm good. That was my Shimano. But see, it's equal opportunity. Shimano fucks a lot of shit up. Ooh, I heard from a little birdie. Caca. Uh that some things are changing with chain reaction cycles. Oh yeah, that's and I don't know numbers. exactly to what extent, but come January one, things are going to be changing with chain reaction. Well, so that's, that's I don't. The rumor is that all of the newest Shimano, like the twelve speed and up mountain stuff, is not going to be. It'll be geo restricted. I, I was told, and this person may have been mistaken. I don't know, but quite possibly that you can't buy anything Shimano from chain reaction come january 1st but that might not be true i don't want to and i think i don't know i'm gonna extrapolate what i've heard and what you've heard no one in the u.s can buy things from chain reaction starting january 1 i think that's the deal yes that's my guess from what i've heard as well so on that front if that's actually true and they do it correctly and the thing is i don't want i'm not trying to put big businesses out of you know I'm not trying to screw these people that have established themselves that have good customer service and good availability and warehouses and all that stuff. That's not what it's about. It's about just controlling your damn prices. That's it. And if another company has better customer service than I do, then they deserve the sale, 100%. But you can't, (laughs) we said it a thousand times, you can't um, police your MSRP prices with one group of people and not with another group that doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever. So I'm required to advertise all my stuff at MSRP. So I just want everyone else to be able to play the same game. Hell, I don't even care if somebody else gets better pricing than we do because they buy eight bazillion units. That's fine. But if it's a current product, you need to police your pricing because it just, it also bothers me because it devalues your product. That's why I always got pissed off at Niner because they'd have something that was one day old and a different color and all of a sudden it's old and you can sell it for 50 percent off like right now you can get cya carbon frames on jensen for 1300 bucks it's that kind of stuff yeah and it it's not only a it pisses me off me trying to sell that product but number two it bothers me just from a brand standpoint everybody gets it in their head oh cool this came out here's the published msrp they laugh at it and go, eh, well, that's fine. I'll just wait till the end of the season. I know with 100% certainty that I'll buy it for 50% off. Uh, same thing with Shimano. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wow. Your new XTR group's $2,000. That's fine. I'll buy it for 1000 Yeah. I'll believe it. That's all I'll I got. believe it when I see it. And, I, and I'll believe it when I see yeah. it too. Like Niner Rip 9 GX Eagle, 47% off on Jensen. <laughs> it's a $5,300 bike for $2,800. Yeah. And that's the thing. Nobody, nobody wants to go buy uh, something at full price. If it's going to be that much off later on down the road. I mean, other brands work their They bust their balls trying to make sure that doesn't happen. Cause you don't want to, why would you want to devalue your product? I don't understand. I mean, you already sold it. So you already made the money on it. I guess if you're just wholesaling to the, you know, wholesale battle to the bottom, it's just ridiculous. I mean, you should be, again, proud of your stuff. Look at like Oakley. They are crazy about their stuff. They do not want anybody selling their stuff below retail and they will freaking kill you over it. It's <laughs> bananas. 
Like they sent some ninjas. Uh, there's a in lot the of brands like the shop. That. Yeah, because think about it. If Oakley put their guard down, could you imagine what people start selling those things for? It'll be a battle to the bottom. And why would you want that? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I can tell you what people want. Mike Mitchell from New Hampshire wanted to give $25 for the note. Great show. Thanks. Dan Gleesick of Texas sent over $5 for the note. Hey guys, Dan Gleesick here. Nothing tickles me more than hearing Matt go full on rant mode. Thanks. And then Lemmy Eaterbox from Texas also sent over. Lemmy Eaterbox? Lemmy Eaterbox. Eaterbox? Really? Her lummy, lummy eater box. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. I just, you know what? I was like trying to be nice and I'm like, man. <laughs> and he finishes his question that he had is, we have a, we have a gentleman here, uh, Mr. Seymour Butts. <laughs> actually. Um, Oliver. Oliver close off. It is actually lummy eater box from Mo Booty, Texas. <laughs> I want to find that guy. That guy. That guy. Trolled I want to find this guy and send him his five dollars back. All the way. I want to send him his five dollars back because this is awesome. <laughs> hey gang, I had a question after listening to the suspension special. <coughs> Sorry, there was uh, cinnamon toast crunch in my throat. We had a suspension special. Ah, oh, well, that's what I named one of the shows, and we talked about shocks the whole time. Oh, okay. I own a shock whiz, but I feel I'm not using it to its full potential. I ride a Niner RKT with a 100 millimeter Fox Stepcast 32. I have open mode adjustment, rebound, and air pressure I can tune, but the shock whiz suggests more tuning options. Is there a way to fake what I don't have? If not, what should I focus on to get a better tune? It's okay to use my question and name on air. Of course it is. Love me eater box from Mo Booty, Mo Booty Texas. Oh. <laughs> uh. While you guys answer how to cheat those low speed and high speed compression changes that you can't change on uh, that. Yeah, that's not a real thing. I just had to Google it to make sure we weren't making fun of someone's name the whole time. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's nothing you can really do. Like if you need to change, um, if you need to change like low speed and high speed compression changes, you need to change them. There's, there's nothing you can do with air that accounts for that. What Not did, really. what, what recommendation was it making? Well, for it didn't say. Okay. Well, on mine, for example, and what you're going to find usually if you're running that factory rear shock on there in the open position, because it's just a two position shock, even the full open on that bike, it's not like super, super open. And it'll probably say, Hey, you're running a little bit too much high speed compression damping. Yeah. That's what it told me. And there's just nothing you can do about that unless you want to revalve it. Yeah, you can send um, it to a company that does shock tuning and ask them to work on it. But what you're going to find is also the less travel you have, the less meaningful uh, that information from the shockwaves is going to be. Don't overthink it too, too much. If you're pretty close to it, then you're going to be just fine. You don't need to get that thing right down the middle. I think everybody gets obsessed with that. Um, cause obviously at some point is making some assumptions anyway. Um, the best thing to do is make, make changes and then verify that it sees those, which it probably will, uh, and go from there. But yeah, don't, don't worry about the stuff that you can't change. Cause it's just not a big deal. Yep. Word. 
Um, and then I do have a question. Let me, oh my God, this is going to take me like a full decade to get into my email here. Hang tight for one second. Hold please. Uh, and then there's like some awful elevator music that I add in. Wait, that was from, what was that from? Jeopardy. Jeopardy music. Yeah. All right. So uh let's see let's see um do 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 kenneth has a question he says hey guys and gals you do an amazing job of the show i appreciate your candidness regarding everything you talk about you cut to the chase and i'm in the beginning stages of planning my bike build for next year i'm either going to do a high tower lt aka long tower or the new stump jumper i haven't decided yet i'm currently on a nomad v3 that i really like but i'm just in the mood for something different Looking at new wheel possibilities and have narrowed down to I-9 or Project 321. I'm currently running 350s. I want to run DT Swiss rims, but I'm looking for something a little wider, so I'll probably go with an XR or XM481 or EX511, depending on how burly I think I need the rims to be. I kind of, or I tend to be kind of rough on the rims, and the 471s have been great, so I may stick with the EX511. Currently run Specialized Butcher up front with a Purgatory out back. Thanks, Kenny, for the Specialized Tire recommendations. I love the new Gripton compound. My mechanic has nothing but praise for Peem CX Ray spokes, so that's probably what I'm going to go with. My question Oh, God. Be careful. You're going to die. Nah, you'll be fine. My question on all of this is what nipple should I use? The rule of thumb is that brass is stronger. However, I have had aluminum nipples on almost all my bikes with very little issue. I've also found some information, such as on Supeem's website, that says aluminum nipples are now stronger than brass due to heat treating, et cetera, et cetera. What say you? Are brass nipples worth the weight penalty because they are stronger, or is that just old knowledge that needs to die? Also, I'm 180 pounds, kitted up, and would define myself as an aggressive rider that likes to race a few enduro events a year. I live in Albuquerque and ride all around the Four Corners area with regular trips to Angel Fire to get rowdy, as Matt would say. Thanks and keep up the good work, Kenneth from Albuquerque. So I need to email Kenneth back and ask him about that Santa Fe uh, Enduro. And also, I'm going to just toss my thing in here like alloy nipples for life. I mean, it depends. Are are you going to have these wheels for like the next five years? Hell no. This dude's going from a nomad to a long tower because he's bored. Yeah. So like if you're the type of person that just offloads bikes like every year or two, just do the alloy and you'll be fine. Because I've only seen problems with alloy nipples in like old fucking wheels. Yeah. If they get if they're not built right and they're shitty nipples, do not, do not, do not buy some random ass color. Who knows what? alloy nipples yeah like the by DT like plain silver alloy ones yeah, are great. actual dt ones i'm guessing the sapums are okay i haven't built with them but all the dt alloys i've ever built with have never ever ever had a problem they don't get like again as long as you prep them properly i haven't had any problems with them uh like locking up or seizing up or anything like that the only thing i've seen with alloys is if you're going to keep a bike for a super duper long time I think they're going to have more problems. And if you are shitty at taping your wheels or the way you wash your bike, water gets inside your hoop, uh, or you just never clean that stuff out and you just have stand slash water sloshing around on the inside part of your rim for the whole life of the wheel, you're probably going to see some bad shit happen. But beyond that, I'd say alloys are fine. Um, I think it's a kind of an old school thought that brass is like better. 
but if you're going to build, I think when alloy nipples were shitty, that was true. But I would kind of agree, modern name brand alloy nips are probably just fine. And, and I would also throw this into the ring. I have been burned by Sapem CX rays too many times now. I am fucking off those things for life. I think that's what's on my Knox wheels. What's your problem with them, Kenny? They explode and try to kill you. So Jeff exploded his and almost died, like legitimately. Uh, like super hospital visit. Like he flayed his, flayed his leg open and knocked himself out. Uh, ripped all of the CX rays out of one side of his wheel. Hoop was, hoop was perfect. Like 100% perfect hoop. How the fuck does that happen? That's pretty intense. Didn't, didn't hit anything. That's a, that's a campground and, orgy right there. Yeah. So that's not cool. I understand things happen. Weird shit happens. The reason that that was like the final blow for me is that back in Memphis, I was building a whole bunch of Noxes on I-9s because that was like the popular thing. And I just did CX rays because they were like a little bit cheaper than the Aerolites. And I saw everybody else building with them, including Nox and Zip and who else was doing it? I think uh, interchangeably they were being used in Envies as well. I think they still are to this day. Anyway, I was having random spoke failures out of those, just like singles, like one, two, threes, not like whole sides. But it was inexplicable. Proper tension. I know how to build a damn wheel. Tensiometer, 120 kilograms, carbon wheel. Everything is built correctly. Triple check it. And people are just popping spokes. Like, don't know why. And multiple different customers. And on a whim... I rebuilt one of those, one of these people's wheels. I don't know who it was first. Just rebuilt the whole thing on the house with, uh, or maybe just the cost of the DTs or whatever it was. I don't remember. Something like that. Like I helped out a lot. Just rebuilt it with DT Aerolites and it was perfect. No issues. And then started doing that for all the other customers who were having issues. And then lo and behold, no more broken spokes. So I don't know if I got a bad batch or if they go through bad batches or what the hell the deal is, but I'm scared shitless of them now. I will not build with them anymore. I'll make sure to replace mine if they break with DT. Yeah. All right, Tim. Um, also, all the rims that he's talking about buying come with nice aluminum, like those Squarks Prolock nipples when washers. So, yeah, those seem to be good nips. I've dealt with them a bunch before. No issues. We just built a uh 471 today at the shop and it it turned out great and like the nipples are so easy to use and it's just really cool i didn't build it i just uh like help prep the nipples because like you have a nipple and a little washer so what i did is like i would like while someone else was lacing the wheel i was like putting a little grease on the nipple and then stacking the washer on and the grease would hold it on and also then it would be grease so that interface between the nipple and the washer would like slide very smoothly so yeah so you were the nipple bitch uh dude i am <laughs> always a bitch for the nipples i've had really good luck with all the dt hoops i think they're building really really good stuff these days so highly recommend all their stuff i'm on their 391s right now up from the 360 ones and that's like super xc kind of weight weenie wheel and Great. Haven't dinged one yet. Been riding the shit out of them. They're perfect. God, I'm so torn. So good, good wheel, um, without a doubt. And all the Squark stuff has been good. By the way, 
that whole rash of broken SAPEM CX rays. I was using aluminum DT Squarks nipples, not a single broken nip, all broken spokes. Boom. God. I'm just like so torn. Like I want Knox wheels, but also like I want like I nine DT Swiss alloy wheels because <sighs> it's a tough call, man. I'm I'm really torn. That's why I'm on alloy right now. I still really, really, really love the Knox stuff. I think they make a really good wheel. And if you want carbon, I think they're one of the best options out there. But I'm kind of going back to like, man, do you really need the carbon? There's so many really good aluminum wheels out there now. Um, well, I say that. <laughs> the only one I'd build with right now is DT. That's the only one I have a lot of faith in. Yeah. And I think they kind of like hid for a while almost like they flew under the radar for quite some time. Well, they made, they made arguably some of the dumbest wheels on the market. Like those system like wheels with white system. spokes and stuff. Oh fuck. What were you guys doing? Right? Like don't build goddamn system wheels that you can't get parts for. And you also have no idea what they really are. Why don't you just build a factory wheel and be like, hey, here's our factory wheel. It uses our 471 rim and our 240 hub and our Aerolite spokes. Yeah. Like, oh, fucking great. That's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. You know what? Uh, Let me interrupt what? you here because this is like for real, for real. Like, I ran into that this week when or today when we built that wheel. Somebody was like, man, this rim built up really nice and they're like, it looks really good and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, like why? Like we literally have bikes sitting on the floor that are that. It's a 350 hub with competition spokes and a 471 rim. Like we have that sitting on the floor on some Yeti, but it's called like an M1900 or some shit. Like they actually yes, do them. Stop doing that, that shit. Stop it, shit. DT. And it's too, you, what? Build your damn brand. You exactly. Why don't you build what you're selling? I don't understand. Why confuse well, people? And the problem is, is people don't understand that that M1700 rim is really an XM391 rim. And also, if a customer destroys a, an, an M1700 rim, then they need to, an XM391 and then their wheels don't match anymore. You know, like... It, yeah. it would be so much better for them. And I think it would actually help their brand. Cause like you look at a hub and like, it says like 350 internals, like just use a 350 hub, you know, and then making instead of like that straight pull, like 350 style hub. If you just made like another 5,000 350s this year, then the cost of 350s would go down, you know, like everything would get cheaper and it would be better. I agree 100%. So another reason that I think DT just was off the radar until say a few years ago, at least for me, their rim choices were ridiculous. Like their XC rim was 19 mil internal. Like that's you like it or like it or not. That's what you got. Like, what the fuck am I going to do with that? <laughs> it's 2016 guys. I don't want a 19 mil internal rim. Um, they just were really, I think, slow to progress, unfortunately. But I think they're this last round that they did, this last redesign, definitely got them back in the game of like what people are looking for and where the market's going. Yeah, definitely. Like I think that's the right way to put it. Like when they even though they were slow to, when they updated their stuff, boy howdy, is it good. Yeah. Um so 
that's Kenneth. And what kind of nipples or Douglas? No, Kenneth Douglas. Uh, what kind of nipples should we run? Um, let's talk about uh, uh, this other one that's like kind of easy, which is. Michael Mitchell says, I love the show. I'm now 10 years removed from being a bike mechanic, and I love how much I learned from each show. Currently on a Fuel EX 8 29er. I'm 180. I'm assuming pounds, not years, because that'd be fucking old. And you'd have like <laughs> records, and we'd see you on Facebook blowing out your birthday candles and dropping your teeth and your frosting and stuff. Anyways, uh, I rather performance 34 Fox or performance Fox 34 130. With a little more air than looks like the Performance 34 that comes stock on the... Wait, hold on. Sometimes when I read other people's stuff, they word things differently than me and I get lost. So he's 180 pounds. It's a Performance Fox 34, 130. He runs more air than recommended and I find myself bottoming out and wanting more suspension up front. It looks like that Performance that comes stock can't be made into 140 millimeters of travel. I run the geo in the high setting and would not be opposed to an even higher bottom bracket. What are your thoughts on going 140 with a Pike or 150 with a Fox 36? Choose my fate. And then in his next email, he says, quick part to uh, update. Do I upgrade the fork on the Fuel EX or go with a new evil following 140-140? Thoughts on evil in general. Thanks again, Mike. So sounds like he's buying a new bike. I just don't know if it's <laughs> going to be an evil. Well, he could try. I don't know how he didn't say if he's ever checked how many volume spacers are in his fork. And he didn't give a year either on yeah. this bike. Yeah. I'd be really surprised. I'm not aware of any 34s unless it's like the old chassis one. So if it's a 2015 chassis, I think it was it is what it is. Those might be different, but I'm pretty sure that everything since 16 can go all the way out no matter what you have other than a step cast. Forget that for a minute. Uh, but all the modern stuff I think they can all go out to 150, 29er. I have never heard of one that can't. Yeah. I would say first, the easiest, cheapest thing to do is open up the air cap. Let the air out first. Yep. <laughs> remove up, the Schrader valve. Re, yeah, just remove the Schrader valve and take the air cap off and see if you have volume spacers. And if you do, how many do you have? There should be a chart available if you go to Fox's service site you put in the serial number or the four um, alphanumeric digit code off the back. It's called the fork finder. The fork finder. Um, if you go there and you put in the code or your serial number, um, because some older bikes or if like the sticker has been scratched off or whatever, don't have the four digit code and you have to use a serial number, it works too. Um, you should be able to find a chart that tells you how many volume spacers you can use max. Don't go over that. Um, but if you're not there yet, um, try putting one or two in, um, you know, as long as you're not exceeding that maximum number of spacers you can use. Run the same air pressure. Just make sure you check your sag. Um, make sure your sag is set properly. Put an extra volume spacer or two in there if you can. That's going to be the cheapest way for you to remedy your problem. Um, because those will give you more bottom out resistance as you go through your fork travel. Um, now, as for everything else, um, yeah, new stuff's always good. You know, I, I'm never going to tell anyone, like, if someone's like, I'm bottoming my fork out and I want a new bike. It's like, well, get a new bike. Like, if that's what you, 
if that's, if that's what you a, really want. If he's got a 2015, if it's a 2015 34, don't mess with that thing. Yeah, you could just sell. That needs to go. That needs to go away. Is. Um, you know, putting a new fork on a bike is. It's one of those toss up sort of things. That's a big ticket item. It's one of those things that if you spend $800 on a new fork, you're not going to get $800 worth of resale out of your bike. So, you know, like Kenny said, you may just want to not mess with it um, unless you replace it, which in which case you just have to be willing to say, like, when you do sell the bike, you can't be like, well, I'm going to add $800 to the cost of my bike because I put a new fork on it. That might add like 50 bucks. I mean, it's literally like it's people just don't pay more for that type of thing. Even if it's a million times better, they're just not going to pay you more for it. So. You know, if you really want a new bike, I would skip upgrading the fork unless you just want to keep that bike forever. Um, you know, I would either, you know, put a volume spacer in it and ride it as is, or I would just buy new stuff. All new bikes are cool. The evils are cool. Uh, what else was he looking at besides the evil? Uh, just an evil, but he should go yeah. demo bikes and figure out what he likes. Yeah, yeah. So I've got an interesting tangent on this about letting air out and weirdness and forks and shocks and shit. So I saw two of these in one day, super weird. One of them was a newer Fox 34 with this very strange issue where the, the fork just felt terrible, awful. I have no idea what it was, but it had like crazy weird. It was like, it was like weird off the top, pretty harsh. And then it was also super harsh going into the deeper part of the travel. It was like, Halfway decent in the middle, but terrible everywhere else. Very bizarre. Somehow, and I have no idea how, what had happened, because we went to rebuild this fork, put a new air spring in it for this guy, and it had a stuck down condition, which means that the negative air spring had way more pressure than the positive air spring, so much so that it completely sucked the air shaft like all the way up into the fork when you took the lowers off, <laughs> completely up in there. It yeah. was crazy. And when that happens, you kind of scratch your head and go like, oh shit, like I actually don't know how to, sir, I, can't, I don't know how to take this air, this air spring out. Like you can't. And it happens on rear shocks and I'll get to that in a minute. But so what can happen is, so if this happens to you, you may want to check it out and you may also just want to reset your fork every once in a while, probably not a bad practice. So here's what happens. If you let your air out of your fork too quickly, like if you remove the Schrader valve, don't do that. Because what can happen is, and I have to have a diagram and like be in front of a classroom and like show people this for it to make sense, I think. But basically you have a little negative, uh, your little transfer port from your positive chamber to your negative chamber is like 10 or 20% of the way through the travel. So if you, you guys can try this at home if you want, but you're going <laughs> to fuck your day. You can push your fork down in his travel, maybe 20 or 30% and then take all the air out of the positive chamber and your fork will suck all the way down. And that's basically what happened to this guy. So it can happen if you have a little bit too much uh, grease on the air spring and it's covering up the transfer port, maybe not completely, but just enough where if you take out pressure from the positive too quickly, the piston, instead of coming up to the point of the air transfer and letting both positive and negative out the top, it lets the positive out, shoots past, uh, and then the negative gets closed off again and it keeps letting out the positive. So your negative is fully filled up, positive oh, has zero in it. What I've seen Scott do. So what you can do is you can 
you have to oh, basically you have to overfill the positive. We had to put 150 or 160 psi in this Fox 34, which is like insano. That's for like a 350 yeah. pound rider. Anyway, I think it's beyond what they tell you to put in there, but you got to do what you got to do. Um, anyway, we put all that pressure in there. It came down. And then what you do is you extremely slowly let the air pressure out. And sure enough, what you're going to see is the fork's going to go down 10 or 20% of the travel pretty quickly until it gets to that transfer point. And then it's going to, if everything is working well, it's then going to bleed out both negative and positive at that portion of the travel and keep doing that all the way out until you have no air left. So that's what we did and it worked fine. We put a new air spring in and it was great. Also had this problem on a rear shock, rock shocks rear shock this time. Don't know how it happened. Have absolutely no idea how it happened. It very well could have been. I'll bet you what somebody did is they sat down on the bike. They were sitting on the bike on the trail and they're like, oh yeah, I mean, it's a little harsh or something. I'm going to like let some <laughs> air pressure out. And they let the air pressure out while sitting on the bike past the transfer point. And then it sucked all the way down in his travel. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's weird. And you have to put so much more air pressure in it than you think. And you never, ever, ever get the fork back up to that 10 or 20% mark. Cause it keeps adding, you keep getting pressure added into that negative. And then you never want to put that. Cause the, the whole reason you did it in the first place is cause your suspension's feeling harsh. So you don't want to go put 150 PSI in your fork. You're like, oh, I'm just going to put the hundred in there this time. And you don't even, if you don't look at it close enough, you don't realize that you're sucked down in the travel and then everything feels stupid harsh. So on this rear shock, we had to put, oh my gosh, we put uh, 400 <laughs> PSI in it and had three, and, and we had three people pull up on the seat post. It was insane. Like I thought I was going to blow a joint out trying to get this, uh, fork, uh, this rear shock undone. And it was hilarious. Cause once we got, finally, we were able to pull up to about 10 or 20% travel. You heard this crazy sucking noise and it shot all the way back up in its travel as it filled up, uh, as the negative then transferred to the positive. It was really funny. And sure enough, it was fine after that. So anyway, moral of the story is if that happens to you, you got to overpressurize the positive to get it to fix itself and then very, very slowly release the pressure, go all the way back down and then start over again. Um, and the other moral of the story is do not, uh, take pressure out of a piece of suspension while you're sitting sagged. That's bad. Yeah. What Andrea was going to say is I've seen Scott, like on a stuck down fork, pull the front wheel off, put the through axle back in and then put on it, put the, put the bike on the ground and stand like he was facing the rider, you know, so he's not on the bike and stand, yeah, that, yeah, stand in the smart. through axle. And then with like 220 pounds of man, pretty much deadlift the bars. And like, suddenly it's like, and like, yeah. And yeah. yeah but that's, I mean, he's a big dude and he's been doing suspension since suspension was a thing. So, and this is, this is kind of going to go against what Kenny just said, but anytime I serve a suspension, which I've actually worked on more suspension lately than I have, like I've done more suspension in the last two weeks than I have in like the last probably eight months combined. Uh, I don't service any suspension with the Schrader valve in. No, the no, thing is you can here, take it out. That's fine. But don't just take it out to let the out. air pressure out. This is going to go against what you said, but this also goes with what you said. What I normally do is I just stuff the Schrader valve tool in and I crack it until it barely starts to leak. And then I just sit there and like, yeah, you'll see the fork shrink. And then usually what I'll do is it keeps leaking, keeps leaking, and then like because it's flowing out of both chambers, you know, and then once it seems fully normal, 
you know, and like empty, I just screw it out. And then I grab the lower and I cycle the fork up and down because you should be able to move it by hand. Yeah, you should, you should be able to. The more, really what you want to do, especially you just don't want to take that Schrader valve completely out. I've seen people do that and just like no. let the air blast out. And sometimes, sometimes you're okay if everything is super healthy in there. But the problem is if you got a slightly clogged uh, transfer port, either a bad O-ring or too much grease or something like that, then you can blow past it and you're screwed. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything else? I'm tired. I'm pretty tired as well. Two weeks in a row, I'm tired. No. Oh, I've got I've got one more thing. Yes. This is for Andrea. And then I have one quick thing too. You, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> All right. You should do True Grit in Utah. It's a freaking cool course. Like it's gnarly. Lots of people there. Super fun, but super difficult. And I think they, I, last I looked, I think they have equal payout. Oh yeah. Those are cool. Um, I mean that, that race looks really cool. It's just like an, I don't know. Like Is that Epic or, Rides? No, no. It's like, but it's like eight or nine hours. I think, I think it's Epic Rides. Is not. No, it's True Grit Epic is what it's called. I, yeah. But it's not an Epic Rides event. Oh, I, I thought for some reason that they were part of it. But anyway, it's, it's a, that's a gnarly one. And you should really do it cool. at some it's point. It's just a very long way from where I am. And in final news that I have, Olin's got their suspension sorted out, which I don't want to say that their fix is a farce. It's more just like... <laughs> I'm sure they tested it. I mean, it was passed by the Consumer Product Safety Commission, but uh, you need to remove the air from the air spring, and then you just pull the air spring out. You don't have to remove it. You just like lift it out. You clean it. You put Loctite on it. You torque it to 32 Newton meters, and you go on with your life. That's it. That's it. Yep. Can any of you fix any of those yet? Yeah, like 20. Really? Did you have that many of them? Yep. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of, you know, I had a lot of pissed off customers and I had a lot of people asking questions, including myself, for like two months. And I'm pissed how slow they were getting all that stuff out. And I get it. There's a lot of red tape and they want to be cautious, but it just sucks. And then also I had a, you know, I mean, we're a big shop. We carry a lot of nice shit. And I probably had, you know, if this is me, this is business side, Kenny coming out. Um, I, it, things happen and you got to roll with the punches sometimes. Uh, but it just sucks when we put that much money into inventory uh, of a product that we have to take off the shelf and not sell. Cause we lost sales on at least two of those because of that fork thing. And that sucks. And these are not cheap bikes. These are, you know, six to $8,000 stump jumpers. And we probably had ooh, eight of them between all of our stores, like sitting on the floor. And that's, that's pretty shitty. Yep. So thanks Olin's appreciate that. And then to, to come back around and make fun of forks one more time. Um, the bicycle industry money is peanuts compared to the, uh, like moto world and stuff and moto still Ooh, uses you know, telescopic forks not trust forks or i'm gonna i'm gonna blow i'm gonna blow your body parts off here <laughs> your so, genitalia your penis or labia will become detached hold please yes so this may not be true but this is what i was told i was told by our fox rep that their bike segment is larger than their moto segment and not just moto like they're all their motorsport stuff and they do like OEs. They put like shocks on fucking Raptors and shit. And he was claiming that the 
bike business was their biggest segment. So maybe I misunderstood that or he misunderstood it, but I was kind of like blown away. I did not think that or was the case. Or maybe it's the most profitable one because. I don't know. He said it I was mean, their if you biggest. think about OE, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really know the truck and car industry that well. Like, do you have Fox, like the performance level stuff on trucks and cars or like kind of like unbranded, mm, not unbranded, but. Very like, few vehicles. To my knowledge, it's very few vehicles. Like you got the Raptor and maybe a couple other small things. And I think, I don't know how many Raptors they sell a year. I think it's quite a few. Uh, if you were to take Utah as an example, I would assume they sell 30 million of them a year. But, but if you think like... It, I, I guess they sell a lot yeah, of like, Fox Forks. Like, so holy if shit. half of all bikes have Fox Forks on them new, like that would be... And maybe those OEMs don't squeeze them as hard as like Ford does. Ford probably squeezes every last penny out of them where they make almost no money. Nope. That'd be my guess. And probably all kinds of crazy testing that has to go on and and ridiculousness. So maybe that's why the bike segment's better. That's, I don't uh, know. Your rep was incorrect. According to Bicycle Retailer, on Wednesday, Fox announced third quarter revenues were up 38% to a record $176 million across all divisions, including powered vehicle and bicycle business. And then you go down a couple of paragraphs and it says Fox said its specialty sports group, formerly called Bike Group, is up 21% in the most recent quarter to 81 million. So only 81 of the 175. Now, maybe it's the largest division if the other divisions are split. Well, yeah, exactly. Because they've got Moto, then they've got like Snow, and then they've got OEM Vehicle. So, and also, of course, you know, aftermarket yeah, vehicle. So, so actually, that might be accurate yeah, then. But, I don't know. I don't think they would just piss the other half away, you know? Either way, it, even if their even if their business is 81 million f in suspension for bikes and uh the other say we'll just make it a round number, the other 100 million is other shit, I'd still be impressed if that was the number. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a lot of forks. That's a lot of forks. So, yep, there you have it. But yeah, I think that motos would have linkage forks if that was the future. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they literally beat us there with motors and now we have e-bikes, so. Don't start. <laughs> well, should I shut it down, Kenny? Yes. Shut this bitch down. Okay. Thanks, for everyone, for listening. This is the 31st episode of the Just Riding Along Show in the year 2018, and I'm glad you guys all tuned in. Guys, gals. I use that genderless. Guys. Guys, y'all. It's not genderless to people that are sensitive to that. Yeah, but my use of it is pretty genderless. Like, just giving you the heads up. It's, yeah. Anyways, I'm going to quit rambling and push the stop button. <laughs> uh, but it used both lines. So it was it was twice as fast and it was always on. So it was kind of like a cable modem, like it was just on, connected. You didn't have to dial into it. But you had to But that it. made it sound so like hackerish. <laughs> Why the fuck did it even need to make the noise? It was like the sound of a telephone line. Are you looking for the noise on YouTube? You <laughs> fucking millennial. <laughs> mm -hmm.
Like, why did it need to make all these goddamn noises? Because you're getting into the Matrix. Like, it could have just been muted. (laughs) All right. Can we make that the noise of the introduction of our episode? Sure. (laughs) Thank you for listening. And just a reminder to go over to Mountain Bike Radio dot com slash support mbr if you want to support the show and make sure that all of this keeps rolling so thank you and have a good day